Hello, church. <laughs> Tried to scare you there. Just jump out there. Hello, church. Hey. All right, everybody, come on in. If you're out in the uh, foyer. All right. We'll start up. We have a couple songs, uh, some testimony time, another song, another seven songs after that. It's just going to be packed. All right. Um, Thank you, God, that we can come here, we can worship you, and uh, just be here at church. Thank you. Amen. You guys can stand if you want, or you can stay seated if you want. It's your choice. of every song we could ever sing worthy of every praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you You. you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to all around me. every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Foundation, I will put. 
trust in you alone and i will not be shaken holy there is no one like you there is none beside you you open up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to all around me. You are good, good. 
Good morning, church family. I'm Deb McCormick, um, and I have the privilege of leading testimony time or God sightings time. So if there's been um, time this week or recently where you've um, just really noticed that God has um, stood out and led you along the way, if you'd like to share it with us, that'd be great. Just um, raise your hand, all right. Hi, I'm Betsy. I just want to give you an update on my friend Sherry from a couple weeks ago. Uh, she has lung cancer and she was concerned that she had a brain tumor. She does not have a brain tumor. Thank you for your help, for your participation in prayer. She doesn't know what's going on. And um, she said, you know, it's probably my age. I'm not going to tell you what that is. And chemo brain, which I've learned through her, is a very real thing. It's just confusion beyond confusion. One other thing, those of you who were around then, uh, this week we celebrated nine years since I donated my left kidney to my brother, and he's doing great. Thank you. Wait, I'm just going to say one more thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Organ donors save lives. Absolutely. Thank you. Ken? Oh. <laughs> Collision in the middle. Here, I'll walk up here. I just wanted to let you know a couple, couple things. Um, good morning, church. Um, this, yesterday, I had the privilege of taking Jacqueline to Blue's Clues Live down at the Fisher. She was an inspiration to all the people around her. She stood up and danced the happy dance and was, yeah. <laughs> and it was great. And um, also this morning, early this morning, I wrote this little poem and I felt like God wanted me to share it. It's called Good Things. Let's not forget those things that are good. Just keep your eyes open and walk through the woods. No matter the season, I'm sure you will find beauty all around us that brings peace to your mind. The good in our world is not far away. It's just that our busyness gets in the way. To get from point A to point B, the things in between we're not able to see. A flower in bloom, or the colors on a leaf. If we pause for a moment, we feel a sense of relief. Our creator is not far, he's walking beside us, encouraging our eyes to see the beauty that surrounds us. Thank you, Ken. That was awesome, Ken. I want to go lay in the leaves right now or something. Um, you ever had those, those moments in your week where another circumstance hits and you're like, this is, this is too much, right? Where you, whatever it might be, the compoundingness of it, and maybe it's not super massive, but I was having one of those weeks, we had a drain pipe on our basement that um, corroded and just rusted away. Now we didn't know right you don't know what's happening at the things that are hidden under your house but it, it was happening and they came in to fix it and it's like yeah we're going to start and here's the starting price but we may have to keep going 
and ours had to keep going you know and um and it's good because you want it to be done they show you all the issues and it's disgusting and you're like oh my gosh how did our sink ever even work you know and all of these things um but eventually the the work got done and just in the midst of it feeling a bit a bit overwhelmed um, and then there's those moments where people see you where, where it's god sees you and god shows you shows us that god sees us through other people who see us I mean, that's a lot of times how it works so much. God is moving his hands and feet, the tangible, physical hands and feet of Jesus, which is his sons and daughters in this world. And so somehow someone saw us and, and somehow had some idea of what was going on and, and showed in a way of some financial love, you know, in the midst of a, a wait that was coming, of just saying, we see you. And I don't know if they knew anything, but this came in, and it came in just as a moment, was just like, you're seen. And so I praise God for community in those moments, in those moments when you're like, whew, this and this and this, this is, this is too much. Uh, and then God whispers, shouts, and shows us his love through other people. And so, thank you, God. And it's good to be, to have people that, that we can sit with in the midst of struggle and be like, I see you. So that's my story. Excellent. Yes, he is perfectly faithful. Anyone else this morning? All right. Um, my name is Josiah. I work at Lifetime Fitness uh, over on Rochester and Avon, and I work facility ops, white fold towels, take care of bathrooms, and um, two days ago, I came to work, and I bought, I, I was only able to bring a bag of trail mix for lunch, and I'm like, Lord, what was I thinking? This is all I have for lunch. What am I doing? And so we all know Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added unto you. Jesus is talking about food, clothes, and um, one other thing. And so I just kind of like sought the Lord, and I said, Lord, I need lunch today, and I have no money. And so a couple hours went by, and uh, my coworker, Raphael, who, mind you, is an unbeliever. God loves him, but God used this unbeliever. He said, hey, Josiah, do you want me to buy you something? Do you need some food? And I was like, oh my gosh, I literally like, thank you, Lord. And so he bought me this like awesome chicken wrap. It was really good. Filled me for the rest of the day. When I got home, I made a yogurt parfait. And uh, yeah, so it's just really, really cool to see God work in that way. It is. Anyone else this morning? All right, this is great. Good morning, everybody. I'm double duty as cameraman and coming up here, so I stationed the camera before I walked up. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, real quick, this is my fifth year teaching in Gross Point Public Schools, and one of the largest marching band events every year is the rivalry North versus South game. And usually as a staff member in the district, it is a very, very tense and nerve-wracking three-plus hours because customarily those two football teams have not gotten along for a very long time. 
um, which then results in a heightened police presence for the entire duration of the game from several of the municipalities, since if, if you don't know, there's five gross points that all encompass the district. It's kind of silly, but... Um, Friday night, the game was one of the more competitive ones we've had in the, in the last five years, but the coolest thing for me was at the end of the night, North and South football players met in the middle after just beating each other up for hours, and there were actually hugs and handshakes for the first time since I've been in district, and it seems that that rivalry culture that was really toxic, although they, they fought hard on the field, once the game was over was actually non-visible, and that is that is huge for that community. So I just wanted to say something about that. If there's anyone on Zoom that would um, have something to share, just put your name in the chat and they'll spotlight you. All right. Oh boy, I've never talked here before, okay. Um, but anyway, so um, I had been looking for a new job for about a year. I had one, but I wanted a new one um, that would just be you know, a better opportunity for me. And I looked for almost a whole year. It was very disheartening to see, you know, Hiring signs, hiring signs, everywhere. It's like, is everyone getting a job but me? Everyone's getting a new job but me? Um, and had interview after interview and networking and I was just getting really down on myself and um, you know, sending lots of prayers up for the perfect opportunity for me. And finally, after a whole year of just sticking with it, I finally got a job where um, I, it, it, in my field that I love, that I'm getting paid what I'm worth. Um, so all the prayers worked and just happy to finally be somewhere I love. And then um, recently found out that two of my bosses left and so I may be promoted. So yay. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, everyone. This is great this morning, this is wonderful. Anyone else? Well, I'll finish up with my own, and um, Bo made reference to this last week, but there was a, um, something came up in our family and I, um, I needed to give an answer, or a yes or a no for something, and um, my knee-jerk reaction was, there's no way, I just can't, I can't condone this, I can't say yes. And, but I knew that I would be breaking hearts by doing that. So um, it was, I was torn, I was upset. I didn't know what to do about it. And on the morning call, um, um, after it was all done, it was just uh, Bo was left and Carmel was on the call. And so we talked about it and Bo gave me some great advice. You separate yourself and ask the Lord what he wants you to do, just ask him. And I thought, of course, of course I should do that. So I did, and um, I needed, like, we were going to meet these people that evening, and so I needed, like, an answer right away. Um, so I, I just said, what do you want me to do? And I felt a lot of peace. As soon as I asked the Lord, I just felt a lot of peace. And um, it was a pretty immediate answer, and he just he gave me that answer, made it clear to me um, um, what to do, what to say, and it was just, 
um, such a huge blessing, just such a huge blessing. And if any of us lacks wisdom, what's the verse? If any of us lacks wisdom, ask, and he'll give it to us generously. And it, that was definitely one of those times. And um, it's just amazing how quick he'll show up when you ask. And praise God. Yeah. All right. Is that it? This is great. Been a wonderful testimony time. All right, one, one more song. How about everybody get up? Or you can stay down. Long intro. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, worship your holy name, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great. Your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy like never before, oh my soul, worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, lay and draw near, my time has come, still my soul will keep praise on and ten thousand years and forevermore bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul worship 
His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship your holy name I worship your holy name Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jerry Gaskell. I have some announcements for you. First, I want to welcome you again to Genesis. Thank you all for joining us this morning here in person and online. Please take a moment to let us know that you're here by filling out the digital connection card on our website or the physical green card that's in your pew. You, if you're new to Genesis, please text new to Genesis, all one word, to 94. 94000. You can place your physical green card in the box that's uh, the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. That's also where you can place your offering if you've brought it with you. We want to thank all who continue to give online or through text. Your family can help a Detroit family in need celebrate Thanksgiving by providing a Thanksgiving meal this year. A box of love feeds a family of six and is an expression of God's love. Crew provides inner city churches with a practical way to share the gospel with their community. Join us this year in providing 1,500 boxes of love. There are flyers in the back. Today, also sign up for a small group uh, for the next four weeks in the series we're currently in. Uh, Sign-ups are at the small group table in the lobby. And now I'd like to release the middle school students. You guys can head off to wherever you're going. <laughs> and then for the rest of us in here, uh, just take a moment and uh, I'd like to release you to connect with one another.
Good morning. To start, we're, we're talking about belonging. We're in a new emphasis for the next five weeks with the opportunity to connect a little bit closer around a table with people if you're interested in that opportunity. There's still, there's still room for you. The theme's on belonging, and we've, we've titled the whole five-week experience and conversation uh, the dinner party. And I want to begin reading from, this book's called This Is Here. This is Cole Arthur Riley's book. She's uh, one of the creators of Black Liturgies. It's just a, uh, giving language within black communities, liturgical prayers, conversations around faith. And in this book of This Is Here has a chapter on belonging that has this beautiful metaphor to begin. So this is this chapter. Long, long ago when all the earth was still in silence, the moon got all choked up on the beauty of the stars. She coughed and then wind was born. The wind rushed out from such a force she didn't even know where she came from at all. She started roaming and searching, darting through trees and trying to wrap herself around anything she could find. No matter what she did, it was, after, it was as if she was invisible. She wanted to rest in something, but no place would have her. Whenever she became really desperate, she would rend herself into cold and hot air and collide with herself. This, of course, made a tornado of her. So she would thrash through places with an ugliness, picking up everything up and forcing it to be held by her, even if just for a little while. Until one day, God was in the garden making something like their own image. And they saw her, and their heart went out to her. And so God inhaled a little bit of her and blew it right into the breast of the image. The wind went on searching and remains very lonely to this day. Only every once in a while, when she passes by a human or caresses a cheek on a summer day, the wind God put in you and me will stir and recognize herself for a moment. And those tiny moments of being seen, being felt, collect like a hope in her, carrying her through her loneliness to this day. We were made for belonging. And so that those artistic words, even as Ken began with poetry for us, these metaphors that go beyond thoughts and just logical reasoning about longing for belonging, we would all say, oh, we ache for it. And that story of wind longing to be held, seen, secure, at home, with real connection, and not finding it. And also those images of when we don't find it, how we can thrash about. How at times those longings, those pains, those hurts can sometimes even lead to destructive actions. We were made for belonging. 
And as we were wrestling through this conversation of belonging and in that poetry, in that story, it reminds us truth that sometimes it's easier to cause pain than to acknowledge the pain. And one of the great truths about belonging is this. In the absence of love and belonging, there is suffering. And so breathe that in for a moment, and maybe some of you are like, oh, I know that. In the absence of love and belonging, there is suffering. In the same way, when your body goes without food, instinctually there's a part of us that says, if you don't eat, you will die. A part of us when we're deeply thirsty, and if you're not drinking, there's a part of us that says that if you don't get water, you will suffer, and you are suffering, and you will die. There's parts of us that we know that there's something's wrong with our body, our own flesh, or our broken bone, that if we don't get care for it, if we don't receive healing, that we need it, we'll die. This is not hyperbole to say that loneliness and non-belonging is actually true suffering. And the reality that one of the great leaders of just non-flourishing is this ongoing sense of not belonging and loneliness. It's one of the greatest indicators in life of an early death. And so part, potentially, when we talk about belonging, it's essential. And when we don't have it, it's suffering. And so with that, it's not to stir up um, emotion. It's to let us all know this is a really big deal. I remember like a year and a half ago, right before COVID just went nuts in March, I began having panic attacks. And I remember a morning in April sitting in our home when my, I woke up with anxiety in the morning and it stayed with me all day. And I said these words, this is suffering. It's suffering. And because of that, I was like, oh, I, I need some help. I can't, I, I, I need some help in the same way that if something was wrong with my body physically, I would go get help. And so this part of this conversation around belonging, I think there's permission for all of us to take a breath and to realize potentially we may, we may need help on this journey of belonging, true connection, and that help's going to look different for all of us. Part of it is that we're wanting to engage in a conversation with each other and with God. And sometimes even a conversation within ourselves, tracing our own story, asking some deep questions as a way of reconciling some things, finding some restoration and transformation, getting some help. But beyond that, we may need more help. To the amount of suffering that you have experienced, because here's the truth of this matter when it comes to belonging, connection, and love. 
our human experience, every one of us has experienced non-belonging. Every one of us has experienced a form of rejection, of non-welcome. Every one of us has stories where we felt that and experienced it, potentially in our own families of origin, in our own neighborhoods, from someone who made a covenant with you, from in, in a school, in a church. We have experienced it. And in those moments, we have experienced deep suffering, trauma. So with that, I invite you and welcome us all to acknowledge that and seek help. And for some, we would say, I need a bit more. I want to engage in a conversation in my community, but, but you may need to engage in a conversation that, that you would say, I am safe to have this conversation. And there's some levels that may not be here currently. So we invite you, I encourage you, uh, find a therapist if you don't have one, if you haven't met with someone. If this brings up trauma and suffering, we invite you in the same way that you would pursue a doctor, that you would go get food and get a drink. Let's pursue this. This is about loving yourself, believing in your worth and your value, a therapist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, at any level for us to deal with those traumas, seeking help, knowing that God is guiding and leading us in this. So I wanna start with that heaviness to know that we're talking about something significant. We were sitting together, the elders and pastors, and we we're trying to discern. We're trying to discern different things that we think that God has for us. And one of our pillars here at Genesis is that we want to create spaces of belonging. And as we were processing together and trying to listen to God, trying to discern God using all of our senses together, we collectively agreed that there was a sense that God was encouraging us to sit a little bit longer, to cultivate this, to ask better questions, but to sit here in this conversation on belonging, to go a bit deeper. And so our hope is to do that over this year. And so we had that conversation with elders and pastors, but we want to invite you into that conversation with your stories, with your learning, with your experiences. We want to invite you that as you come across things to, to let us know that we can learn from you, be encouraged from what has encouraged you, and support each other on this journey of belonging. So we want to invite you with us, and there's room for this table at, at any level that you want to step into it. And so potentially if you wanted to step into around a physical table with people in conversation, we have groups have been created around that and you can sign up for those around that. If you just want to listen into the conversation here, by all means do so. Um, if it's things that you want to gather other people, we, we invite you to participate at the level that you can. And all of that, we hope, communicates you belong. 
I invited the elders to speak to this a bit about why they saw this as so important. I just want to give some language from their voices. And Ben Hoskins said, Belonging paves the way for connection. Investing into and from others and bringing comfort to reciprocal accountability. Belonging brings a sense of anchoring and stability despite life challenges. Belonging is space and opportunity to give and receive love more freely. Knowing and belonging in Christ and Jesus is essential to the path to peace of mind in this life and the next. Nasha Ely Green wrote, Belonging is important to me because I value relationships and being with people. My thought is I want to be invited to the party and asked to dance. That's belonging to me. Nasha has shared that with us before and it, when someone shares that experience of having an invitation but not the real invitation to participate, we're like, oh, we, we can see how that environment was not hospitable. How that environment would actually not be welcoming and belonging. And then Bonnie Backing, who is here in the back, wrote in. She said, belonging is important for us because God invites everyone. We want our community to be like him. He doesn't leave people out. He sees and values those on the margins. And he is working and active in those spaces. And so I love that these, these voices. And Bonnie, we, I, I, you heard those words. I, I want to encourage you that if you're like, that God seems different than the God of my upbringing or the God of my understanding. A God who invites people and doesn't leave people out. We want to invite you to be curious. And to go on the journey with us about belonging. It's an essence. And belonging is a little bit different for everyone. But to belong is to be accepted. To belong is to feel secure. Without belonging... We are alone. And as humans, our greatest desire is to know and to be known. To love and to be loved. And to feel confident that those who know and love us will be there for us through joy and trouble. I think all of us have that equal longing. And so we were built, we were wired to belong we have that in common. And all of us, what we have in common is that all of us have had experiences where we did not belong. Had moments when we felt like we didn't belong. Moments when we were told we didn't belong. This has happened in families, school, workplaces, church, neighborhoods, friend groups. This experience is relational pain, which we experience through loss and rejection and loneliness. And so as we look at each other, we can have the sense of seeing each other, the 
this sense of connected to all of humanity, of not saying that none of us are separated from these longings and these experiences. These longings of feeling connection, but also these longings of not having it. We can see each other and say, I see you. And I'm with you. This collective of people. When I think about belonging, I love the writings of Brene Brown and she, uh, one of her books, like Into the Wilderness, I think that's the title. Braving the Wilderness, I think that's the title. When she talks about belonging. And in this book, the, the, one of the, the biggest statements of belonging that I found to be so helpful in, and as we begin a conversation is this is that we carry belonging in our heart. Belonging is not something that we negotiate externally. Meaning that the sense of belonging is something that is anchored in us, in our being, in our existence. We carry this with us. A deep rootedness that we belong. I do believe that God is the one who is anchoring and affirming this. But this is the sense that we belong to ourselves. We belong. This, this is what we carry in us. It's not something we're trying to negotiate in our outside world. Negotiating with your outside world for belonging looks like this. If you believe this way, if you think this way, then you belong. If you act this way, then you belong. If you vote this way, then you belong. If you dress like this, then you belong. If you think this way, then you belong. We're negotiating, hey, how can I belong to this people? And if we think that we have to negotiate that by changing something in us to be a part, that's not belonging. And every one of us have experienced that. We're like, oh, I could fit. If, um, if I did this or that. But in truth, this isn't about negotiating externally with our world. This is about carrying something deep within us. Carrying a sense that we belong. That we are secure. That we are loved. Belonging says, this is who I am. And I hope we can make a connection. But we don't need to change who we are to make a connection. This is who I am. And I hope we can make a connection. With that kind of carrying of belonging, it's sort of this anchoring of the soul that reminds I belong. Brene Brown says that statement in this way, no one belongs here more than you. So our hope, here's the part of my hope, even today, is that you and I would be able to carry more holy. We would be able to carry today that we belong that I would be able to carry along, that you would be able to carry this, this truth that is within you, affirmed by God, that you could carry this more securely today.
My hope is that you would stop looking for evidence that you do not belong. Because as if you look for it, you'll find it. As we compare ourselves to others, we will find all sorts of evidence for us in a way that will communicate to us that we don't belong, which is actually not true. So can we start? This is, this is the premise for today and take a little bit more time. Our hope is that we would start by the grace of God to be able to carry this deep sense of belonging in our heart. And by the grace of God, we would, be able, we would stop looking for the evidence that we do not belong. That evidence sometimes is like, oh, I don't belong. Let me look what kind of car somebody's driving and, I, and mine doesn't look that way or I don't have this educational background and these people do. Look at the people who have kids or a spouse and I don't. Um, look at their body types and, and look at mine. I, I, don't, I don't belong. Look at the pigment of my skin. Whatever it might be that at different times that have communicated that to you as you compared the people around you, we want to stop. We want to change our looking and our focus. So that's our hope. We have a deep need to belong and a deep desire to belong. And so with that, for this affirmation of this belonging that we carry deep, um, uh, for, for, oh, here's, uh, here's this beautiful affirmation in Psalm 100. The, the Hebrew poets wrote this in Psalm 100 about God as they worshiped God. It's a beautiful psalm of belonging, this language of that. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This is God who has made us. We are his. We belong and we, do, we desire this deeply. As people gather in groups this week, we're going to be having the opportunity to kind of look at this text in Luke chapter 23. And I want to read this and, and just have a few observations uh, this morning with this text. This is one that has been very rich for me within the last six months in the story and the life of Jesus. So this is found in Luke 23, verses 32 to 49. So it's the, it, it is Jesus being crucified on, on the cross. It's an interesting story to pick. But it's one that is, as I'm saying, is deeply profound and meaningful. And I hope it will be meaningful in this conversation of belonging. So Luke 23, verses 32 to 49. And it picks up midway through this story. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. This is Jesus. And when they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. 
And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, If you're the Messiah, so you're the Messiah, aren't, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell upon the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. While the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Within this narrative, within this story, this very familiar and unique story in the scriptures, there's a, a statement that Jesus says in verse 34 as he's being crucified, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when Jesus asks that or says that statement, my kind of the question that I ask is, is, who is included in this? When Jesus is saying, God forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, who is Jesus talking about? Who is Jesus saying forgive here, God? They're unaware of what they're doing. They have no clue, they have no concept. And so then I just began to ask questions. So who is included in this, forgive them? Was Judas included in that? Jesus, Judas who betrays him, betrayed Jesus, sold him out for silver. And then his sorrow hangs himself. Was Judas included in that, for God to forgive him? Was Simon Peter included who denied that he even knew Jesus? A friend close friend who denies even the relationship and their being and flees. Were the disciples included who were too tired to stay awake with Jesus as Jesus was in turmoil and in pain and Jesus was like, hey, would you stay and pray with me? I'm hurting. I'm really sad. I'm overwhelmed. Could you be with me? And they didn't. They said yes, but the answer was no. Were they included in that forgiveness? Um, were the disciples in that when they fled Jesus when he was arrested? Were the leading priests and the teachers of the law who concocted this death scheme against Jesus and 
riled up crowds and found false witnesses, were they included? Was Pilate included in this? The one who, um, in, in a way, had the power to do this and to suspend it and to, to let him go. Was Herod Antipas, another leader from that area, included in Jesus saying, forgive him? Political leaders outside of even the Jewish population doing what they want, using their power to gain wealth and, and greatness for themselves and oppressing other people. Was the crowd and the mob who shouted for Jesus' crucifixion, were they included in this? Was that who Jesus was referencing? How about the soldiers that flogged him and beat him and spit upon him and entreated his remaining possessions as his own clothes as their own? This is ours now. You have no right to this. We will take even that from you. How about the crowd of onlookers that mocked as Jesus suffered? And the soldiers that mocked as he suffered. And the criminals that mocked as he suffered. And Pilate who mocked him with the sign, this is the king of the Jews. So that question, who's this for? Who does this include? When Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And then here's my other question. Does this include us? As Jesus speaks this out loud in time, with breath, in a moment that ears could hear, they heard it, they wrote it down, visibly, audibly, with the last remaining breath, one of the last sentences that Jesus speaks. Does this include us when we don't know what we're doing? Does this include us in the times that we have made others feel like they don't belong and excluded others? Does this include us when we've gone against the grain of love? How far does this statement go? Forgive them. They don't know what you're doing. And so Jesus prays this prayer. Does God answer it? Does God say, can't do it? Was the answer yes? Yes. 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 Yeah, them too. Yes. Yeah, them too. And so, with that statement, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you hear Jesus say this over you? Ah, oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. Can you hear Jesus say that over you? With compassion and kindness? Can you hear Jesus say that over others? And the others who have excluded you? and hurt you. Can you hear Jesus say that over them? Can you say that for others? Can you imitate and echo those same words? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. 
In, in essence, could it be that they're acting like the wind within that story that Cole Riley wrote about within their own brokenness, non-belonging, they collide together and cause pain. Can you say that over others? And can others pray that over you? In our own weakness and brokenness and destructive moments. There is this, for me, I think this statement, this sentence of Jesus has lasting power and is echoing and reverberating over all of eternity. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgive them. And the beauty of that statement is saying that your belonging to God and to one another is not negotiated on, uh, externally, meaning that we can have wronged God and others and yet still belong. And to know that in our flaws and our weakness, we can still belong. as God speaks over us this truth of you belong. So I hope is that you've asked this question this week at some time. How far does this statement go for you to others? And maybe even the question would be, then what keeps us from truly belonging to God? Because it is not our sin. Because Jesus makes it clear to us, I forgive you, I have no issue. I freely forgive. I'm glad to forgive. They don't know what they're doing. One more interaction that I want us to look at in this story that I think that pulls into this conversation on belonging. It's this interaction between the criminals and Jesus. And half the time when I read this and, and you have to read the Bible, sometimes you're just asking, what am I to do with this? What is this story about? I mean, I get it, it's about Jesus dying on a cross, but these, these, there's this human relational interaction between two people as they're dying. For one, that's just uncomfortable and, and painful and ugly, but yet it's there. Here's this relationship that is happening in the midst of death. And so I, I don't want us to miss it. There's a relationship here. Far be it, it seems kind of small because it's sort of one interaction on a horrendous day. But it's a relational interaction. And so two criminals in Jesus, it almost sounds like a joke. But here's the two criminals, one's mocking Jesus as they found themselves in a terrible situation. Mocking and scoffing. And then the other criminal scolds him in a way. 
intervenes, uh, stands up, seems to be the only person in this entire crowd who seems to stand up for Jesus. Kind of weird, right? Like nobody else in the entire crowd says anything affirming, blessing, good over the person of Jesus. Here's this person who's like standing completely alone and says something to the sentiment, what what are you doing? We, We deserve to be here. This one is innocent. Brene Brown talks about the idea of belonging will, will sometimes put you alone. You belong, but yet you're standing alone. And the ability to be able to do that as you're being moved into different things, you can stand alone, and even though you're, you're alone, you still belong. And so this person stands alone in this. We deserved this. We're, we're here for a reason. They're innocent. And then in this odd relationship, and then he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. And so this one is filled with questions for me. I invite you into those questions. I invite you to ask your questions. I invite you to wrestle with this relationship with Jesus and to pin this sort of question of belonging. And this person, in essence, is saying, remember me. I don't even know if they know what they're asking. What kind of kingdom they think Jesus is going into. I have no clue what they're thinking. They're dying. But yet they say, remember me. Would you feel comfortable framing that question in a way of saying, can I belong? Can I be with you? Do I, can, I, can, I, can I come with you? Can I belong with you? Is there space for me where you are? Remember me. And Jesus' response, without flinching, Yes. Yeah, you're with me. You belong. There's no negotiating. There's no boxes to check. There's no formula. It's just the overarching love goodness and kindness of God within a little bit of this moment of connection that says can I come to am I included do I belong and another that word that I think speaks and that resounds and echoes throughout all eternity You're with me. Yeah, you're with me. You belong. We ache for this. To belong to God is to feel at home. To belong to God is to feel safe and secure. A trust and connection that is felt more deeply 
in this relationship than any other. It's a, it's a belonging to God that affirms this truth of our value and our worth, knowing that we are loved and accepted just as we are, enjoyed because we exist. And this kind of knowing of belonging is restorative and transformative. And I believe it to be the work of God for all of creation. May we experience that kind of restorative and transformative work more. That we would hear this invitation of God that says you are loved and you belong. This is for you. And as we step into this process, may we then learn even better about how to create these kinds of spaces and places where we belong and others do as well. So in it, we want to invite you into the conversation that is starting. There's an opportunity at a table if you would like to have it. We think there's some beautiful truths in that. Also this week as we're wrestling and we're engaging in this belonging and really about belonging to God and allowing God to speak into that, there's going to be a video that is sent, that was going to be sent if you receive our texting. If you don't, you can subscribe to that by texting to 94,000. That's the, that's the number. You can even text new to Genesis, 94,000. But we're sending this video out. Jill Sykes is the one who wrote the materials for our group conversations, and she found this video. And that's going to be sent out today at noon. And the invitation is that this week, sometime, you could take five minutes and just let these words of God, these truths of God, what God has spoken and revealed about himself to this world and to us to wash over you. That potentially you'd be able to carry this truth that you belong more deeply as God affirms this in you. So I want to invite you to take that time this week at any moment that you, that you might find that you've got five minutes with some silence and some quiet to be able to receive, to carry one of the most needed truths that we need to, that we belong to God. And God has revealed this through the person of Jesus so perfectly and beautifully. Thanks for being on the journey with us. And as you learn, would you teach us? So let me pray. So God, who is like you? And there is so much more for this conversation. There is so much more. But we pray that you, God, we would sense you drawing us deeper. Is that We even had the sense that this was a topic. This was a conversation that we had we have learning in. Let us not be afraid to get it wrong. Let us not be afraid to misstep. Let us not be afraid to take a deeper look. Let us not be afraid of the pain and the suffering that we experience because we might have hope for restoration and transformation that can come. This hope of renewal. May we find that in you and may we be encouraged from each other to say there's hope for us. 
May we sense that connection from one another, that we see each other, welcome each other, and make room for each other. As Bonnie even prayed in that, Lord, that we would know that you're the God who doesn't exclude, but you invite and you welcome. May we know how to hold that and carry that and also make room for others. So Holy Spirit, work of the Lord, come and have your way. Amen. Thank you for being a part and for joining us. If you want to see which groups are, still have room around the table, there's a little table out there to find a night if you're interested. There's also one that's happening right now down in um, South Hall with a conversation. I think Harvest and Jericho and I are jumping into that one. We're actually going to drive to McDonald's, get a whole nutritious meal for ourselves and engage with people. So there's, there's room for you. Uh, we hope to hope that you can connect with us again in this week and next week. God bless you.